Chatur Vijabajante Mam Jnana Sukriti Norjuna Artol Jignasur Artharti Jana Cha Bharatarsava. O best among the Bharts, four kinds of pious men begin to render devotional service unto me. The distressed, the desire of wealth, the inquisitive, and he who is searching for knowledge of the absolute. Majuna Trimanandasya Janajana Salakaya. Shakshurun Militanyena. Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Last week we discussed at length those four kinds of miscreants that truly have no interest in spiritual culture. They have no interest to to advance themselves in spiritual life. And the Supreme Lord explained those four classifications of, of miscreants. Basically, miscreant being that they're not willing to accept higher authority. First one being the muda, the beast of burden. Basically, a uh, little different between a muda and an, and an animal in a human body. They simply live just like an animal, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Uh, not, no other interest. And, and because they're centered on those four basic instincts of animalistic life, they live, unfortunately, just like an ass. They work day in and day out. Uh, they go. They, they work for a, a master who really has little, if any, interest, uh, true interest in them. At the end of the day, they're given a little hay, and they go home. And they engage in sinful activity. Uh, again, being kicked just like an ass. That's one class of miscreant uh, that they really, they're so content with their, with their animalistic-like life, unfortunately, they never take an interest in, in culture of spiritual knowledge. So the mudhas, the... Uh, Naradhamma, a dharma. Dharma means that we are willing to follow some religious practice for our spiritual upliftment. We're really willing to follow some basic codes of conduct and act like human beings. Naradhamma means, although I'm a human being, I'm not willing to follow any codes of dharma. A dharma. A dharma. There's, uh, so... Although they may have knowledge of, of some spirit, they may have some spiritual knowledge, for them, they're not willing to, to take up that spiritual knowledge and to utilize it in their life. The mudhas, the naradharmas, the uh, mayaya prahitagyana, we discussed this at length last week, these are the foolish. Uh, class of men who feel that with their teeny intelligence they can figure everything out. And generally these are your academics. Not that spiritual life means that academia is, is not important, but that academic pursuit which is void of any aspiration to spiritual consciousness is unfortunately useless 
for the hankering soul. Souls never satisfied with that kind of knowledge. Unfortunately, these individuals put all of their faith in their materialistic science. Fortunately, their science and their theories are constantly in flux and constantly changing and constantly being rethought. The last class of men who really have no interest in spiritual life are basically just the demons. What's a demoniac mentality? So much I have today, so much I'll have tomorrow. He is my enemy and I will slay him. Basically, demons. We can look to the leadership of most of the countries of the world and see perfect examples These leaders, they have no real interest in uplifting humanity, of taking care of society. They're more interested in spending billions of dollars to to simply create war. The biggest industry in in this country we live in is simply that of the Asuras, the demons. They simply want to sell weapons and engage in some war. And if there's not a war, well, let's make up a war. If there's not an enemy, we'll make up an enemy. And we'll go on and create this. Go on and exploit the innocent people. So that's a a basic characteristic of the Asura, is one of exploitation. Of course, you could say, everybody in this material world, we have that tendency. Some to a lesser and some to a greater degree. Otherwise, we would not be in this this place of uh, birth and death. So now, Krishna, having explained those four classes of men who really have no spiritual, uh, no interest in spiritual culture, spiritual life, now he goes on to explain those four individuals. And again, remember back to the beginning of the chapter that these individuals are very rare. Out of thousands of men, one may inquire into spiritual knowledge. And out of those who have reached perfection, again, perfection being they freed themselves from the shackles of material existence by by basically not allowing their mind and senses to continually drag them from one material body to another. So, they're considered perfect. They've conquered over their senses, but out of those, hardly one, the Supreme Lord's saying here, hardly one of those people, hardly one of those advanced transcendentalists who've given up material affection, the affection to exploit this world for their own pleasure. They've gone beyond that, but hardly one of those individuals has a desire to know me in truth. In this verse that we're going to start with this evening, Krishna begins to explain those individuals that have some interest in spiritual culture. Now, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, because two verses forward, Krishna's going to say, these are all Mahatmas. (laughs) These are all great souls. Why are they great souls? Because they are going to Krishna to fulfill their desires. So, those four classes of men, the distressed. And we can see generally, for the common man, distress is that time when 
Every man calls out to God. In distress, we, we call out to God. As we mentioned last week, there's no atheists in the foxhole. Uh, uh, there's very few a- atheists at, at the funeral home. At that time, when, when, there, when, dis- when distress comes due to this material world and engagement in it and attachment to it, when that comes, we, we generally will cry, cry out for the Lord. And similarly, when, when nothing seems to be going right, for us, when despite our <clears throat> our best endeavor, the fruit is that we desire is not coming. The wealth that we desire, the opulence that we desire, we sometimes will cry out to God, "Please help me! I'm doing the best I can, but I, I, I I'm still living in the gutter." They cry out. They seek knowledge of the Supreme Lord to satisfy uh, that desire to have some wealth, to have some opulence, not just, not just money, but opulence. That opulence can come in many different ways. Okay? So one may desire to have beauty, strength, wealth, knowledge, renunciation. All these are opulences. And in that quest... If, if they need help, they'll cry out to God. The other is just the inquisitive. Inquisitive. Who is God? What's God all about? What's, what's the true religion? There's so many religions. So, generally, uh, you'll see early in life, uh, people inquire. They, they make some inquiry. What's, what is true religion? What is God? And then Krishna mentions also the... The, true, the person that truly has some knowledge, he basically comes to the platform of devotional service. So all three of, all four of these, three of these people, three of these individuals, they're basically looking for some remuneration. So there's a big marketplace for God in the world. There's so many religions, and we see, unfortunately, most of those religions are simply going to the Supreme Lord to do some business. Please, I'm in distress, relieve my distress. They'll go, uh, if, if everything is, is not going nicely, they'll go to church, church attendance will go up, but as soon as the economy picks up again and everything is going nicely, maybe the interest will wane, not be there. Three of these individuals... Uh, those that are distressed, those that are desirous of opulence, of money, those that are simply inquisitive, their approach to the Supreme is basically considered karma mishra bhakti. What that means is they want some result from their worship. They want some karma. We know what karma is. So at least for karma, they're going to the right source. So now the, the next class, the jnani, and again, I need to make a disti- we need to make a distinction here because we've talked from earlier chapters in Bhagavad Gita at length about the jnani, the yogi, and the bhakti. Okay, the jnani, the jnana that's being referred to here by Krishna in this verse is not that jnana which is simply the transcendentalist that wants knowledge uh, 
to relieve himself from material suffering. Okay? That, that would fall in the category of the distressed. And as we've spoken when we discussed the earlier chapters, basically that, uh, that class of jnani, their ultimate transcendental realization ends in an impersonal acceptance of the absolute. Of course, we know the impersonal is there. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sadhguru. That aspect is there. The Lord's energy is there. And they're content to merge. The knowledgeable person that Krishna is speaking about in this verse is that individual who comes to the platform of yoga. Bhakti yoga. So he is a bhakti. It's interesting. If we, really, if we look at Srila Prabhupada's purport, first of all, in the first paragraph, if you look, you can see that generally these individuals, their devotional service to the Lord is very flickering. Prabhupada uses the word sometimes three times in a row here. Sometimes the distressed come, those who are sometimes inquisitive, and those who are sometimes searching for knowledge. So in other words, they're not at a platform of complete dedication to spiritual life. Their dedication is flickering. They have some interest and then their interest may be, I want to relieve the distress and when the distress goes away, then the inquisitiveness into spiritual life, it also wanes. And those that are in need of some opulence, some money, they also. Similarly, when the money comes... When the Lord fulfills their desire, the interest can wane. The inquisitive may come, they may have their questions answered about who is God, where is he from. After that inquisitiveness has been fulfilled, they go away. Okay, now I know God. So they've yet come to the platform. So Krishna goes on to explain in the next verses... Why the wise devotee? Now, all these are devotees. Devotee means someone that's appro- approaching the Supreme Lord. He explains why the wise person, the person that simply comes out of knowledge, is so very, so very much appreciated by him. But I wanted to, to touch on one other thing. Of course, in the, in, in the heart of this purport, uh, Prabhupada immediately makes re- reference to the platform of pure, unalloyed devotional service as defined by Srila Rupa Goswami. Anyabilasita sunyam janakarmajyanavrita manu koyena krishnanu silanam bhaktiruttama One should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desire for material profit or gain through fruitive activities or philosophical speculation. That's the bar of the pure devotee. It's a high bar. In other words, pure devotional service is a, is, is a platform that one comes to in love. He has no desire to do business with the Supreme. He simply wants to perform loving service. And it's, if you look at, at the Sanskrit for the verse... Chatur vidya bhajante mam. 
we have that all of these individuals, Bajante, what's that mean? They want to render service to the Supreme. They come and they render service to the Supreme. Remember from the last, last chapter, the end of the chapter, the Supreme Yogi, Yogi Nam Apisarve Sam. Uh, also, that word is there, Bajante. Bajante goes beyond worship. Bajante means we render service with knowledge. So, after Prabhupada gives an you know, brings out the definition of what is a pure devotee by quoting Srila Rupa Goswami, you notice that he, he makes mention time after time after time again. When the distressed comes in contact with the devotees, he becomes a pure devotee. When those that are in, aspiring for wealth come in contact with a pure devotee, they also can become a pure devotee. When the inquisitive come in contact with a pure devotee, they also advance to the platform of pure devotion. Do we see a theme here recurring? Pure devotee. Pure devotee. Again and again, Prabhupada emphasizes in the purport the fact that Advancing to the platform of pure devotional service is based on what? Association with a pure devotee. And that association brings all of these individuals to the platform of pure devotion. Not only that, but Prabhupada goes on to mention in this purport that those four miscreants that didn't really have, they'd have no interest in God. What happens when they come in contact with the pure devotee? They come to the platform of pure devotion. So just see the significance of, of the pure devotee to spiritual life. Coming in contact and associating with those individuals who have no motivation except our well-being who aren't here to exploit, who aren't here to take advantage, who aren't here to, to simply stand, on the, stand and give a sermon and then take some big donation, or some big yogi who performs some mystic jugglery just so that people uh, worship him. Pure devotion means those individuals who give freely from the heart to bring us to the topmost platform of spiritual enlightenment and pleasure. Satchitananda, we're eternal, knowledgeable, and full of pleasure. The pure devotee wants to bring us to that platform of enjoyment. Krishna goes on in the next text to single out that devotee that is in knowledge and renders service to the Lord without some motivation. Again, I want to make the distinction because we've discussed it so many times. This jnani, this jnani that Krishna is mentioning here is distinct from the jnani who desires to have knowledge of what is matter and what is spirit simply to, ex uh, 
separate himself from material activity and relieve himself of miseries by attaining liberation. Do you understand? We talked of the jnani who wants knowledge. His knowledge of what is matter and what is spirit is based on a desire and that desire is liberation. This jnani referred to here is a jnani who is simply interested in serving the Supreme without some motivation. And his knowledge is not, his desire is not to attain knowledge. His desire is to use and to acquire knowledge to increase his service to the Supreme. So he wants knowledge. He wants to increase his awareness only so that he can perform pure devotional service. So that's the real goal. Hmm? That's the real goal. That's the real goal of, of knowledge, of jnana, yes. It's above the platform of liberation. As we chant every week, nadanam najanam nasundarim, I have no desire to accumulate wealth. I have no desire to enjoy beautiful women. I have no desire for a lot of followers. I only desire your causeless devotional service, birth after birth. I don't care about liberation. So it's a synonym for pure devotion. Yes. Yes. It's actually pointed out. Well, I want to mention, I'll mention a couple points. First of all, for those that are going on to study Srimad Bhagavatam, as you read uh, the pastime of Gajendra, Gajendra is an example of that devotee who's in distress and approaches Krishna. Uh, that devotee who is wanting material opulence, we've mentioned this pastime many times, Dhruva Maharaj, he wanted a kingdom better than his father's. So he approached Krishna. So he's the example that's used uh, when it comes to the devotee who, who approaches the Supreme uh, for some opulence. Sonika Rishi, the Rishi who was in charge of all the sages at Namasharanya, he is an example of uh, the inquisitive. And those pure devotees who are, are simply in knowledge and, and aspiring and advancing to the topmost platform of devotional service. Uh, the examples are uh, Sukadev Goswami and the four Kumaras. This verse, of these, the one who is in full knowledge and who is always engaged in pure devotional service is the best. For I am very dear to him and he is dear to me. A couple points, if we look to the word for word, Ekabhakti, only devotional service. We're talking about individuals that only have a desire to serve the Supreme without motive. Eka, no, only, only to advance in devotional service. And the, the real beauty of this particular verse is Krishna mentions how very, very dear that devotee is to him. Priya, dear. So much so that when someone comes to that platform of devotional life, devotion to the Supreme Lord, when they come to that platform of having knowledge of God and simply wanting to serve Him without motive, 
unmotivated, uninterrupted, uninterrupted, eka bhakti, only bhakti in their life. When they come to that platform, Krishna sees them as his very self. Wow. What's more dear to any individual? The most dear thing to anyone is their self. Is it not? When it really comes down to it, what really matters the most? Me. Krishna sees those individuals who've dedicated everything to him. The Lord himself sees those individuals as just as dear to him as he is to himself. Basically, in that purport, Prabhupada points out that the Supreme Personality of God is so protected that such a, such a devotee is so protected in devotional service that material contamination cannot touch him. When we come to that platform where there's no business, when the business arrangement, when we're able to push that aside, when we're able to say, I don't want to worry about anything except serving the Supreme. I don't care about my distress. If God wants me to be distressed, fine. Hang me on the cross, that's fine. I don't care. I'm willing to surrender. You may have a little question there before, like, have you forsaken me or not? No, I'm willing. I accept. Uh, the desire of wealth. When those things are set aside, when we have that platform of pure devotional service, uh, that's what Krishna's talking about. Then, in the very next verse, just to emphasize the fact that anybody that approaches the Lord is, is very, not as dear as the person that only comes with no motivation, but even if they come with a motivation, they're also great souls. All these devotees are undoubtedly magnanimous souls. But he who is situated in knowledge of me, I consider to be just like my own self. Being engaged in my transcendental service, he is sure to attain me the highest and most perfect goal. The difficulty is, as we mentioned, those individuals that come with a motive, sometimes when, when their aspiration is fulfilled, their interest wanes. And they don't go on to, to, to come to the topmost platform of love of God. Uh, they're content to get their reward. Therefore, because Krishna is so kind, sometimes he doesn't give that reward. Ultimately, he always gives the reward. But sometimes he won't give it immediately. The advancement through the process of devotional service... We associate with God. The Lord is so magnanimous, so so enthralling. The ecstatic exchange that we have once we advance from the platform of trying to enjoy this world, that is so enjoyable to the soul that all of a sudden 
we forget the reason why we came there in the first place because we're completely enjoying a pure loving relationship with the Lord. So we talked about that example of a devotee who goes to the Lord who wants some opulence. Dhruva Maharaj. And if we, if we go back to that pastime of Dhruva Maharaj, as a young boy he went into the forest and he performed austerities and he worshipped the Supreme Lord in yoga practice. But when God finally showed up on the scene and he saw the Lord, what did he say? I was looking for broken pieces of glass, but now I've found the most significant gem. And the Lord said, well, what can I give you? I, I just want to be your devotee. I just want to be a devotee. I don't care. I came looking for some opulence, but that was just foolishness on my part. Now that I have you, that I've seen you, that I've experienced a loving relationship with you, that's insignificant. I don't need that. Of course, Krishna is so kind. Well, you came to me for opulence. I'm gonna, you're gonna, you, you can still have your love for me, but I'm also going to give you the opulence you desired. In fact, I'll give you opulence beyond your wildest dreams, just because you had that desire. So Krishna, you'll see throughout Bhagavatam, when someone approaches the Lord with some desire, he may not fulfill that desire right away. But ultimately, he is so magnanimous. He always benedicts one who approaches him, even if there's some self-motivation in the beginning. But by involvement in the process of devotional service, by Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, by hearing and chanting about God, by, by serving the Lord, remembering Him, by surrendering everything to Him, by doing these process, the process of devotional service, we fall madly in love with God. He may not give that desire right away because He wants to give us the best benediction, which is His very self. So, this verse... In the verse 18, Krishna makes the point of, in 17 he said, that pure devotee, he's the topmost, that person that comes without a motive. But all the all these individuals that approach me, they are also great souls. And because they approach me, they not only get their desire fulfilled, if they're willing, and there's, there's the little bit of a hitch. If they stick with the program, if they continue to engage in devotional service to attain their desire, they will be purified. But as we said, sometimes it wanes. So that, therefore, it behooves us who are aspiring to the topmost level of devotional service to kick out the desires as soon as we can. I mean, undoubtedly we have desires. We've been in this material world since time immemorial. We wanted, we wanted to enjoy this world or we wouldn't be here. So the desires are there. But since we can see time and time again through Bhagavatam, 
and through and, and because Krishna is time and time again instructing us in Bhagavad Gita to the same end, unalloyed pure devotional service. He's recommending this. This is going to be the most the most pleasurable thing that we can ever attain. Nothing can excel having loving exchange with the Lord. Nothing. Not all the wealth in the world. Not owning the whole world. Not owning the universe. Not owning all the universes of this material creation. Are stand in a, to, to give us any pleasure. And believe me, in this world there are places a heck of a lot more pleasurable than this miserable planet that we're stuck on now. I mean, we, we've mentioned the heavenly planets and the opulence and wealth and duration of life and mystic, mystic powers that, that can come to us. We don't have these things available now, especially in this fallen age of man. But none of that compares in any way to the pleasure of pure devotional service to the ecstatic exchanges that we can have with the Supreme Lord. So it behooves us to kick out these other desires as soon as possible. And the best way to do that, as Prabhupada pointed out in the purport, again and again, associating with the pure devotee. Associating with the pure devotee those that desire wealth, advance to pure devotional service. Those that are distressed, advance to pure devotional service. Those that are inquisitive, advance to pure devotional service. The association of Krishna's pure devotee. Mm. Why? And this is where we'll stop this evening. Why is it so important that we advance to pure devotional service? Because verse 19 gives us a key, gives us a glimpse of what happens if we dilly-dally around. After many births and deaths. Does anybody here want to die? No? Do you want to die again? And again? And again? And be born again? And again? And again? No. Krishna's saying here, after many births and deaths, he who has actually acknowledged surrenders unto me, knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is. You're a great soul, and it's very rare, but there's those births and deaths until we get it right. Why not let's just get it right from the get-go? We have the association of the pure devotees. We have the association of, of Krishna, through his devotees, through his holy name, through the process of devotional service. We have his association through Bhagavad Gita, through Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita. I mean, Krishna is right there. We can start spending our time with him now. We can purify our existence and avoid this many, many births and deaths thing. So that's the platform of pure devotional service. The funny thing is, though, once you're on the platform of pure devotional service, the births and deaths thing becomes insignificant. But first you have to get there. 
Mm. Next week we'll go on and discuss those individuals who don't want to approach Krishna. They want to take the uh, a shortcut to their fame and wealth and uh, relief from distress. <laughs> they want to take a... Uh, uh, they don't recognize that behind everything is Krishna. Krishna is the super soul. Sarvashya chahamhriti sanivista. I am seated in everyone's heart. For me comes knowledge, remembrance, forgetfulness. I empower those lords of this material universe to give you the benediction you seek. I make your faith strong in them so that you can worship them and attain it. So that's demigod worship. And Krishna is going to recommend next week that we not be... uh, not take that way because there's nothing here worth <laughs> worth that. Any questions or comments or corrections, additions? I have a question on uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 4. Mm-hmm. Concerning the 24 elements of the material world. Okay. So I just said there are uh, five manifestations so earth, water, fire, air, sky and then the five senses sense object and then the three others mind, intelligent and false ego mm-hmm. how because then it says later 24 elements how, how all those uh, This first of all we have the, the gross material elements then we have the senses the senses, there are ten senses. Five knowledge-acquiring senses and five working senses. You know those? Okay. Ears, eyes, nose, mouth, touch. That's, that's the way we acquire knowledge. So, and then we have the working senses. So five working senses. Uh, what are the working senses? Help me here. <laughs> Walking. Hands. Grabbing. No. But speaking. It's a working spence, is it not? No. Looking. Vision. No, that's knowledge acquiring. No. Uh, then there's the uh, the evacuating sense. And the genital for reproduction. So those are the working senses. Okay, the walking, the picking up, the evacuating, the procreating. And what's the last one? What am I missing? Smell. No, no, no. That's acquiring knowledge. Speaking. Speech. Yes? Yes. Okay. Then... Those objects are also... So when we have, we have ten senses. We have five material elements. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind. Uh, ether. Okay. Then we have the objects of the senses. Okay. Sound. Uh, objects to see. Scent. Taste. And touch. So that's five more. Those are all... Okay. Yes. And then we have 
mind, intelligence, false ego. And then the 24th is the aggregate, Mahatattva. Now, when you read in Bhagavatam, the 24th different spiritual teachers, even in our own line, make, a di- make different distinctions as to what is that 24th element. Some say it's the super soul, some say it's the aggregate of all those. Uh, uh, anyway, there, there is some different distinctions given there. So it says also, anyone who knows these three Vishnus can be liberated from material entanglement. So this is referred to the three kinds of realization we can have. No, no, no. no? Three Vishnus, okay, when the Lord first creates the material universes, he does it as one Vishnu, Maha Vishnu, Karna Dakshai Vishnu is another nomenclature. He lies down in the causal ocean, and from his breathing all the universes come. Then he enters each universe again as an, in another manifestation, in each individual universe, which is like a shell, he enters again as Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. In other words, half of the universe fills up with, with his perspiration. Just transit, you know, it's not like our perspiration. <laughs> uh, and uh, and he 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 resides there, on Anantasatya, and from his navel uh, comes the lotus that Lord Brahma is born on. But it says anyone who knows these three missions is just the way you explain, explain it to us, or is just. We have to realize it, or is it? Well, yeah, we have to know, we have to understand. Now, are we going to see those Vishnus? I don't know if that, that's a prerequisite. Okay. And the third Vishnu, just to answer your question, the third Vishnu, of course, is Super Soul. The Lord also enters into the heart of all those living entities that he impregnates into the material energy. So those are the three Vishnus. So one who understands the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities um, never takes birth again. So this, it goes with this that you understand, you know, Krishna in his different manifestations, so to speak. Keyword being transcendental. Yeah. But not the vision of Well, that's also Krishna. That's also Krishna. Our process is to have full knowledge, you know. Not that we're all going to become perfect, complete scholars of every aspect. No one knows Krishna in full, you know. Uh, you know, Anantasesha has been, been, you know, he, with his thousands of vows. He can continually glorify the Supreme Lord and never reach the end. He has unlimited facility to glorify God. He can't reach an end of those, those glories. So...
So no one know we can, you know, no one can know Krishna in full, but as much as we need to know Krishna, uh, the spiritual master will give us that knowledge and then uh, we'll be relieved of material existence. There must be some uh, deeper meaning to the word understands because uh, on a spiritual level because understanding on a more mundane level is, is intellectual. Jnana Vijnana. Okay, there's Jnana and there's Vijnana. Jnana right. means intellectual understanding. Vijnana yeah. means realized knowledge. Right. So in this so, sense, what you're saying is, is understanding is the realized knowledge. Yes. Yes. Because it can't... Right. Not a cheating process. Yeah. But don't discount the mercy of Krishna's pure devotee. Right. Of the spiritual master and especially of Lord Chaitanya in this age. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just, while it's important to you know, study these things, it's also just important to chant with pure devotion. Like, that's the most important part. So, I guess, trying to get so caught up in there. Both, all things go together, yes. But this process, you're right, the process is so simple yeah. that it doesn't... Shravanam kirtanam vishnu, smaranam padasevanam archanam vandanam. Nine angas, nine limbs of our devotional practice. You can do all of those, or we can just do one. <laughs> and devotional service is so transcendentally potent that doing all or just one, we can attain the supreme destination. Any other questions? Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna.